You are listening to What Do You Know, part of the 1830 Podcast Network. Find us easily by searching 1830 Podcast Network directly in the Apple Podcasts app, Google Podcasts app, or the Spotify app. Also visit us at facebook.com 1830podcastnetwork for more information. And now, what do you know? This is Brandon. Hey, what do you know? He answered the phone. Hey, Daniel. How you doing? I'm doing well. How are you, sir? Doing very well tonight. Uh, so are you, this is this is exciting. I'm glad you uh, answered the call, uh, and I'm glad you're going to be part of the podcast. Would you? Uh, are you ready? I am. I'm very glad to be a part of the podcast. Thank you so much. Okay. So here's your first question. Can you share a testimony of your calling? I sure can. Um, I'll, I'll give you my experience um, that I had, if you will, regarding uh, my calling. And, you know, first of all, just to, you know, to let all everyone know, I, I never really had a desire, if you will, to be in the ministry. Um, after I got married and started having kids, there was clearly a, a desire more to kind of get my life turned around and uh, pointed a little bit better than it had been. And uh, but no desire to be in the ministry. I really enjoyed just uh, participating in the congregation and helping out where I could. So there was really never, you know, this focus or desire. My experience, though, with my calling kind of started, if you will, it was at our New York reunion uh, back in July. I think it was 2003. Uh, and I was on crutches. I was recovering from a knee surgery, which is why I kind of remember it very vividly. And it was uh, during a, a sacrament service and Brother Jay Mosier was in charge of. And I had sat in front of uh, him about two rows back with my wife. And uh, during the sacrament service, uh, back again at our reunion, about 2003, I think it was, um, felt the Spirit of God come upon me uh, in a way that uh, just never did. This knowledge flooded my mind that God was going to use Jay and he was going to be standing to call me to the ministry. And um, I panicked. I got up. I hopped as quickly as I could to the back of the church uh, with my crutches. And I went into one of the bathrooms and I stayed in there for the rest of the service. Um, <laughs> I came back out and nothing had happened. Um, you know, service had uh, finished, had ended, and all was well. Um, and then uh, Missouri Reunion, August 2004, about uh, one year later or so. Um, and I can remember it like yesterday, you know, between that time of the New York Reunion to the uh, Missouri Reunion began to, uh, I, I could say, honestly, grew uh, more spiritually. But again, no no desire to be in the ministry, just had a, a stronger um, spirit, I guess it would be the way to describe it. And um, again, I can remember it like yesterday, um, sitting in two, two pews back, I was sitting next to my wife, uh, kids, my mother, my father were there, I believe my brother and my sister-in-law were there as well. And um, again, you know, a year later, I'd had to begun have these little bit more desires to be of service to God, but you know, not not necessarily to the ministry. And during this service, it was super emotional for me. I don't know how else to describe it. Um, 
right when the service started, even the, the drive to the service was very emotional. Um, I actually left a couple of times during uh, the prayer service to just go outside and um, going to be a little vulnerable with everybody, but I, I just began to cry. Um, I went out on the steps. I, I had to walk around uh, the property and I just began to cry. Wasn't crying for any reason, just, you know, didn't know. And just, again, all I could um, say that it was, was the spirit of God was overcoming me. And I had, you know, no idea that, you know, uh, about what was to come, but I just felt super emotional. And I, I went back in, sat back down and uh, we got up from the season of prayer and uh, the moment before brother Adam Porter stood, um, the spirit of God just came over me, uh, flooded me with a knowledge like I have never uh, felt before or, or understood before or just filled my mind and spoke to my mind, uh, never in a way that it's done before. And the moment before Adam stood, you know, I, I knew uh, the spirit of God just flooded my mind again with this information. Uh, it was amazing. It was intense. You know, the only way I could describe it was I felt like my soul was alive. Um, I knew what Adam was going to speak uh, before he even spoke it. And as he was speaking, I felt like I was caught up again by the spirit again. And immediately the spirit convicted me of knowledge and said that brother Jay Mosier would stand immediately after and confirm this calling. And when Adam sat, Jay stood and uh, gave the confirmation. And, 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 you know, I just became uh, became so overwhelmed uh, with the witness. Um, God had given me um, an unbelievable witness. He gave me an unbelievable knowledge. Um, it was just, it was so um, convincing. There was no questioning it for me. Um, you know, I had all I could do to hold that in. Uh, I wanted to to share it with everybody right then and there, but, you know, I knew I'd lose it. I knew I wouldn't be able to emotionally control myself. So I, I just held that in and and continued to hear multiple other witnesses that stood and confirmed the calling and, you know, hearing from others that day, you know, brought me the comfort, definitely the peace I needed. Um, but for the moment of time when, you know, just before Adam stood to make the calling and when Jay sat down to do the confirmation, it was an unbelievable experience that I had that the spirit of God just completely overcame me, you know, just complete truth. Uh, reassurance that this was that this was from God above. It was a calling from above. Uh, clearly, it, it was like Brandon. This is something bigger, bigger than you. It was just, it was awesome. You know, it was like God is real. Um, you you now have this responsibility. You know, get ready. You've got to take up your cross and bear it. Uh, you've got to feed my sheep. I mean, so many things were going through my mind. I just thought that it was so, such a neat experience when a year before that. I didn't know, you know, Brother Jay was going to have um, a part in that witness that he had. I, I had thought a year a year before that the Lord was using him. And I don't know if the Lord was doing that just to prepare me um, to know that there would be a service to to have in the future for me. And so that is my, I'll call it my experience, if you will, uh, about my calling into the ministry. So you you tried to run away the first time you hid in the bathroom. I, I've got to you know, call you out on that. That's kind of, you know, if that's if that's um, again, it was this same 
it was the same feeling um, that that had overcome. I mean, I was sitting there just listening in the in the service in the sacrament service we were having when again flooded with this knowledge that Brother Jay was going to stand, and I I was very scared. Um, did not want that. Did not want the responsibility. I see what ministers go through. Um, I, I see the 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 challenges, the trials, the dedication. And I was just like, I'm not, I'm not ready for that. I've got enough. I've got a wife, two kids, responsibilities <laughs> I understand, I understand. at work. And I hobbled. I mean, yeah. I hopped with my crutches uh, as best I could. And again, nothing happened. I, I don't know if it was just the Lord's way of, of preparing, but um, uh, yeah, that's how it, that's how it started. That's great. That's a great story. I, and I think there's a lot, there's a lot of us that can relate to that. Uh, no broken knee or not. I'm, I'm getting out of here. <laughs> I can yeah. understand that. Uh, so we're talking to Brandon Tarbell. The, I would like to, uh, know, sir, what, where's your home pulpit at? Where do you call home? Let the people know. Sure. Uh, my home pulpit is here, uh, what's referred to as the Akwazasne local and Akwazasne is the the Mohawk name for our town here on the St. Regis Mohawk Reservation. And Akwazasne uh, means land where the partridge drum. And it's where I'm not quite born and raised. Uh, uh, my father met my mother out, out, out west. Uh, and she's from Colorado and, and they got married. And I was born in Colorado and then they, they moved back home and we've been here ever since. But um, uh, this is where my pulpit has been. Gosh, since uh, 2004, October of 2004, I've had the privilege of uh, preaching here to our congregation. And how many ministers do you share the pulpit with there? Oh, well, that would be myself. Um, <laughs> I, uh, it's just me here. Yes, I, I kind of knew that answer, but I wanted everybody else to know. So are you ready for question number two? Sure. How long and how or how much do you prepare for a typical sermon and how many sermons have you preached? Sure. So, you know, I, I just wanted to, as I thought about this, you know, and I think about when somebody says a sermon that you've prepared or a sermon that you've preached, you know, I wanted to first make a comment that, you know, I'll get caught up sometimes saying, you know, my sermon tonight or today is about such and such. And, you know, I just really want to, you know, kind of start off by saying, you know, it's the Lord's sermon, and He places these things upon our our hearts. Fair enough. And um, I just I just really wanted to share that because sometimes I feel I'll get, you know, just a little prideful, if you will, and and uh, the fact that this is my sermon when it's not clearly. I mean, and I guarantee a minister after minister can attest to how the Lord prompts us and works with us. We might have something we want to bring forward, and He's got a completely different idea. So. Um, I just want to start out by saying that in uh, October 2004, Brother Buzz Brickhouse came, ordained me, and um, started preaching right there that day. And he gave me 15 minutes to prepare oh, nice. <laughs> and my, for my first sermon, and it was only 10 minutes long. And and it was on an unchanging God. Hey, and that's it was great. exactly the first thing that came to my mind. It's what Brother Buzz preached to me day in and day out. Brother Hubert and Jim, when they were here day in and day out would preach about an unchanging God. So I thought that was fitting for the first sermon. But hey, that, typically, makes up, that makes up well, for how many times Hubert has gone long up there, right? Yeah. <laughs> well, you know what? Um, and I've kind of continued this trend. So yes, I've made up for any of the long-winded preachers before. I've clearly made up for that in, in the last <laughs> 
few years here, but you know, I typically would back, back in the beginning when I was first called, I would spend a lot of time during the week and um, as well as Sunday morning studying, preparing for the Sunday sermon. And, um, you know, from, from 2004 up to the current time, if it was a service for a reunion or conference, um, to be honest, you know, I would put in a little bit more time. I'll put in more studying and praying and uh, I'll even fast for that just because, um, you know, I think the humanness in me says, man, you're going to be in front of a few more people. Uh, you're going to be in front of some other ministry. Uh, and so I kind of, I, I feel like I'll put in the extra um, effort into it, even though, you know, it's still the Lord directing those thoughts and, and the, the message of how it's going to be. But that is, I'll put in more definitely if it's something uh, like a reunion or a conference. I think what's uh, amazing too, and the reason I mentioned that is any time, any of them, for a reunion, uh, a conference, uh, anywhere that I've traveled to outside of the home pulpit, if you will, uh, and been asked to do a service, I, I have a, a really cool testimony that every single one the Lord has distinctly put the message upon my heart. I mean, clear as day, uh, totally amazes me. Uh, I mean, sometimes it's immediate. It could be the phone call came in or an email came and said, could you preach at such and such? And immediately the message is on my heart. Uh, I could have been thinking about it a month prior, just something on my heart. I'm like, I have no idea why do I got this? Do I got to preach about this this Sunday or next Sunday? But but it never fit. And then all of a sudden I would get this this invite and it was like, that's it. That's exactly what it was designed for. And I got to tell you, that has just blown me away completely. For sermons back here at home lately, and, and I'll, be, uh, I'll be a little vulnerable with our listeners as well. Um, we're all brothers and sisters. We're all human beings. And uh, lately back at home, I have been terrible at preparing. I, uh, I've been procrastinating. I feel like I've almost been tempting God saying, you know, okay, God, it's Sunday morning. It's 6 a.m. You've got three hours to give me the message and prepare <laughs> for it. Um, and, and that's typically what I, I do. I like, to, uh, I like to do my work in the morning. I'm an early riser, and that's when I think best. But I've been struggling here for a while. I want to be candid with everyone. Um, definitely a, a reflection of my lack of, of uh, my study habit uh, that I've had during the week. I've gotten lax. I've let my other duties, if you will, my work duties primarily take uh, precedence, if you will, over uh, God's work. Uh, I'm embarrassed about it, but it, it's, it's definitely the truth. I think I've got a, a testimony to share that, you know, this coronavirus and, and what it has caused it has been a blessing for me to correct my life with my study habit and waking up in the morning, getting on my knees and praying and reading my scriptures. Um, you know, so I'm thankful for that. It's kind of definitely causing me to get back to a habit that was really good. And when I do that throughout the week, the Lord places those ten bits of ideas on my mind. I write them down. And, and before you know it, he's built the sermon that we're all needing to hear that Sunday. Um, I also I also go back on some of the sermons that God's placed upon my heart. I've got them all digitally saved, you know, since day one. I've, I'm one of these guys that 
puts them in my computer and has them all uh, typed up, whether it's notes or completely typed out, but I'll go back and I will uh, reflect on some of these and I'll find that some things have happened here in the future since that time. And it's relevant to preach on that subject again. And it has been quite a few times that that's happened. So I found that really interesting too. It's almost like the spirit leading me to go back because I'll be like, no, I already preached about that. But then all of a sudden you find, oh, it fits in this way now with things that have changed in the world. So that's been really neat. Interesting. Um, Did you ever come up with a number? uh, A number. How many sermons have you preached? Oh, no, no, I'm not. I don't, I don't know exactly. I got to say it's, it can't be that many because I don't preach that long. So I'm sure mine can't count for the typical. Oh, okay. (laughs) They're only half (laughs) points. If you will. Okay. They're only half points. Okay. Okay. Um, But I, but I use a bunch of different methods as well. You know, I'll use notes. Sometimes I have the entire sermon typed out. I'll use a PowerPoint, use videos, science demonstrations. Okay, you're leading into question number three there. So I'm going to jump right into question number three. What do your scriptures look like? So my scriptures physically, they look like, well, let me tell you this. They were given to me. I I opened up my Bible and looked March 5th, 1989. Uh, They're 31 years old, given to me by my grandmother, is who I'm pretty sure my father's mother that gave them to me. And, you know, I was baptized around 13, 14 years old. I, I'm not sure exactly. And they were given to me about a year or two later. And today they're rough. Uh, lots of tape on them. They're falling apart. Um, I definitely uh, need to get new ones. But again, like probably so many others, I know right where to go with these scriptures. Right, I've got right. certain things highlighted and, and I know right where that is. And I've got these different types of colors of highlighters in them. And I know what that color uh it uh, means for me not that i've got reasons for any of them it just happened to be i used a blue highlighter and i can remember right where that was to go i've got notes written near text uh uh, and scriptures that reference to others especially brother hubert would would go through the scriptures and and do that and give me you know other scriptures to reference from one to the next to the next to be able to uh, you know, tell others of, of, a, of a topic and a subject. So I've got plenty of that going uh, in there. Plenty of post-it notes in a couple of areas. I use a lot of restickable tabs to put on the page for a sermon so I can go right to them and then I reuse them. And then when I prepare, I, um, I, I definitely do search the scriptures uh, when I use the computer to prepare, but then I, use, I pull my books out. I do a combination of the two. Uh, when I prepare a sermon. And so that's kind of my, again, my scriptures are real beat up, uh, but I've got my notes in there. I know right where to go. But again, in preparing a sermon, I, I use a combination of search the scriptures and then my, my, my books themselves. Okay. Thanks. I, I like that. I'm a highlighter person. I like that. You said, I don't know why it's blue. It's just that that's the one I reached for. That's my organization plan too, is, is the highlighter blue means it was the one that was closest <laughs> okay. So, but now I know when I turn to that page, look for that. I think it's blue, right? Oh yeah. And I grab the blue. Yeah. It doesn't matter what color yes. for me. So I appreciate that. Yes. And now we're to my favorite part. I'd like to ask you what your 10 favorite scriptures are. You don't have to do 10. Chris, Chris Moran kind of bailed out on me, but he also included a whole chapter. So, so as long as you give us something, 
something that uh, speaks to you and, and, and verses that are your favorites, like all-time greats or, or prophecies? I'd like to hear one prophecy that you like or, or, or you, know how the, you know how it works. Yeah, I will. Um, I tell you what, I'll read a couple and then I'll just summarize some others and I'll go as quick as I can. To, to try and fit in as many and I'll let you cut me off when I've gone too long. I'm not going to do that. I won't do that. That was Chris <laughs> okay. Moran volunteered that I did not make him stop and I'm not going to make you stop. Okay. Well, I'll start with, um, in Isaiah, Isaiah 40, uh, 26 to 31. And, you know, I, I'm going to say this before I read this one, you know, at work, I, I I'm fortunate to be in a position of leadership and management and I have an opportunity to share with others, but I have a balance in there. I feel that I have this obligation uh, to keep it secular and not bring in uh, many, you know, re religious beliefs and how we feel today with the laws that govern us today. And, uh, but I've made it a point to say, you know, before I state our mission, our purpose and our values, I say that we're a Christian family or we're a, we're a business founded upon Christian principles. And so I, I, you know, that's about the most we'll do. Well, since this coronavirus started, I actually, I've been praying in our meetings, whether people like it or not, and I've started to read some scriptures. And this is the first scripture that I grabbed. It was the week that the coronavirus had kind of started and a lot of anxiety uh, began. And so I opened our meeting with this Isaiah 40, and I, I just read a couple verses, but I'm going to read 26 to 31. It says, lift, lift up your eyes on high and behold, who hath created these things that bringeth out their host by number. He calleth them all by names, by the greatness of his might, for that he is strong in power, not one faileth. Why sayest thou, Jacob, and speakest, O Israel, my way is hid from the Lord, and my judgment is passed over from my God? Hast thou not known, hast thou not heard that the everlasting God the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth, fainteth not, neither is weary. There is no searching of his understanding. He giveth power to the faint. To them that have no might, he increaseth strength. Even the youth shall faint and be weary. The young men shall utterly fall. But they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. And they shall walk and not faint. You know, I, um, I try to go at everything, it seems, in life um, always with an I got this on my own attitude. I, uh, I forget over and over that God is there for me. And this verse here in Isaiah brings me comfort every single time I read it. It seems every time I, I forget the Lord and forget to call upon him that this uh, quote in Isaiah will always come back to my mind. They that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. And it has brought me strength. It, is, it has lifted me up so many times in life uh, when I've needed it. So that's the first one I have. Second one is just all of Isaiah 53. I love the entire chapter. I love... Um, the love of the father in sending his son, Jesus Christ uh, for us and what he would do and how it's described in Isaiah 53. And I really like the way that the father and the son are described as to the plan that was created, if you will, from the very beginning 
And these verses, they speak right to my heart about this love that the father had in sacrificing his son for us. And again, then the obedience of the son to the father. So that entire chapter of 53 uh, of Isaiah, I, I absolutely love so much and, and uh, preach it many times and use it for multiple sacrament services. I know that I have uh, used that scripture reading so much. Uh, Genesis 45, uh, 1 to 16. You know what? I'm going to, I'm going to turn and I'll read this one to you. And, uh, while I'm turning to it, you know, this is, um, about, uh, Joseph. And again, we know that Joseph, uh, the animosity that his brothers, uh, had toward him when he had the dream. And so they, you know, pretended to have him, uh, or had him to sell him, but he, you know, told his father he was eaten by the the lion and then when those years of tribulation come and and they're found to be back uh visiting joseph and they don't know that it's joseph but joseph knows that it's uh, uh, his brothers coming uh for food and so i just want to read this to you here in in 45 of genesis and, and i i love these verses here it says then joseph could not refrain himself before all them that stood by him and he cried Cause every man to go out from me. And there stood no man with him while Joseph made made himself known unto his brethren. And he wept aloud, and the Egyptians in the house of the Pharaoh heard. And Joseph said unto his brethren, I am Joseph. Doth my father yet live? And his brethren could not answer him, for they were troubled at his presence. And Joseph said unto his brethren, Come near to me, I pray you. And they came near, and he said, I am Joseph, your brother, whom ye sold into Egypt. Now, therefore, be not grieved nor angry with yourselves that ye sold me hither, for God did not send me before you to preserve life. For these two years hath the famine been in the land, and yet there are five, in the which there shall neither be earing nor harvest. And God sent me before you to preserve you a posterity in the earth and to save your lives by a great deliverance. So now it was not you that sent me hither but God, and hath made me a father to Pharaoh and the Lord of all his house, and a ruler throughout all the land of Egypt. Haste ye, go up to my father, and say unto him, Thus saith my son Joseph, God hath made me Lord of all Egypt. Come down and tarry unto me, tarry not. And thou shalt dwell in the land of Goshen, and thou shalt be near unto me, thou and thy children, and thy children's children, and thy flocks, and thy herds, and all that thou hast. And there will I nourish thee, for yet there are five years of famine, lest thou and thy household and all that thou hast come to poverty. And behold, your eyes see in the eyes of my brother Benjamin, that it is my mouth that speaketh unto you. And you shall tell my father of all my glory in Egypt and of all that you have seen. You shall haste and bring down my father hither. And he fell upon his brother Benjamin's neck and he wept. And Benjamin wept upon his neck. Moreover, he kissed all his brethren and wept upon them, and after his brethren talked with him. And the fame thereof was heard in Pharaoh's house, saying, Joseph's brethren are come, and it has pleased Pharaoh well and his servants. You know, I um, part part of the reason one of this uh, this reading is is one of my favorites is, you know, everything leading up to this moment, and, and then the emotion that you feel in these verses when Joseph makes himself known to his brothers. The, the dream of the prophecy is revealed and we all see God's mighty hand. And I love it. I love seeing when a prophecy is fulfilled. And within these verses specifically, we're seeing 
the love, the love of a brother uh, towards his other brothers and, and you know, the, the cruel things that had happened, but the forgiveness that Joseph had for he knew that it was for a higher purpose. And um, I love that. I love these verses uh, that we read here about Joseph. Can I interrupt um, a little? Can I sure. have a comment on that? I like that verse. Um, when I think of that, when I hear you explain it to me, I also think that we do this. We do this ourselves in our, our conferences and our reunions, and we get to see our brothers and sisters again. And now this coronavirus is happening, and we're, we're missing conference, and I'm missing my brothers and sisters. Yeah. I mean, it's nowhere to that scale, obviously, but, but how much am I going to be overcome with joy when I get to see you guys again, when this is yeah. over and we all get to get back together and things get back to normal and we have a conference and, and, or a reunion maybe come in August, it's going to be that much more special. Absolutely. I totally agree with you on that, Daniel, for sure. Um, the, the next one I've got, it's just, um, I, I'm not going to read any of the verses, but I absolutely love the story of Jonah. I, I love this um, event that took place in our Bibles. And again, a story about a servant that didn't, you know, didn't like what God wanted uh, or want, where he wanted him to go and what he wanted him to do. And he thought he knew what was best and decided to do it his way. And, and of course, um, as the event unfolds, God corrects him and causes Jonah to be, become completely humbled. And um, I can relate to it. I think that most of these, or I find I can relate to these scriptures is where they're near and dear to me. And I find that I'm like Jonah all the time, you know, thinking I know best. I know where I should go or what I should be doing instead of listening to that small, still voice directing me in my life of what I'm to do. I, I love it also in Jonah, uh, too. We see that uh, the mercy that God has upon his children and his call to repentance for he loves them dearly. So I completely love the, the books of Jonah that we have as well. Uh, the next one I have is is uh, in Samuel, 1 Samuel 16, verse 7. And this is the one that um, Samuel is sent to Jesse's house, and he's he's got to find this new king, and he's told that he's among his sons. And uh, so he goes there, and, and uh, we know that uh, Jesse has his sons come before him, and Samuel kind of spots one uh, that he thinks is is the one fit to be king and and then there's this one verse verse seven it says but the lord said unto samuel look not on his countenance or on the height of his stature because i have refused him for the lord seeth not as a man seeth for the man looketh on the outward appearance but the lord looketh on the heart um i find such comfort i i am I am so grateful that this is how our God works in his plan. As mankind, we are just so stuck on the outside of what a person looks like, um, you know, how they carry themselves to how they look, to what their stature is, and we judge one another constantly. And I, I'm totally guilty of that as well. Um, and yet the Lord looks on the heart and he judge, judges the heart. And of course, we know uh, this event and story goes on that it's David, right? The, the, the scrawny little one uh, was the one that had the heart uh, that was fit to be king and, and that God knew it. Um, but yet on the outside, he didn't, he didn't have that appearance. And so I love this verse. 
um, because it really shows that, you know, this is how God works. And it's a very different way than the way man works. Another one of my favorites, I won't turn and read it all, but um, Matthew 6, 20, uh, 24 to 34. And, and it's all, um, actually, you know what, I'm just going to turn real quick. Um, no, no, I won't. I won't turn to that one right now. But it's about talking about the lilies, the lilies of the field. And, you know, God will take care of them. You know, they toil not. Uh, they don't worry. And, you know, this one hits home to me so many times, these 10 verses to read, um, reminding us that God will take care of the faithful. And so many times again, again, all of these scripture readings are uh, really because they hit me personally. These are, again, my challenges. You know, I'm always worried about, you know, this and I'm worried about that. And I totally forget that God is in control and God will take care of us. I mean, we find ourselves going through uh, what we have been over the last three weeks. And clearly it's a remembrance to this again as well. There are so many things that are not in our control in this life. We have so many things that are in our control and then there are things that are not. And with the things that are going on right now that are not in our control, the one thing that is in our control is to understand the scripture reference that God will take care of the faithful and we need to look to him and he will protect us. And so I'm, I'm reminded of that in the scripture. I turn to it many times and read it and I'm like, oh, Brandon, would you just consider this? Let this think, you know, sink deep into your heart. Quit worrying about everything. God is going to be with us. So I find great comfort in this one. Uh, Matthew 26, uh, I'll read this 26, 33, 34, and 35. And again, I'm going to read this because I, I can relate. I can relate to it as well. It says, Peter answered and said unto him, though all men should be offended because of thee, yet will I never be offended. And Jesus said unto him, verily I say unto you that this night before the cock crow, thou shalt deny me thrice. Peter said unto him, Though I should die with thee, yet will I not deny thee. Likewise also said all the disciples. And we know that, uh, you know, here's Peter, the disciple that loved Jesus, you know, the most they say. We know that he goes on to deny him and the cock crows, and the cock crows three times. And, you know, I, I often think of this scripture a lot that after you know, that cock crowed that third time, um, how Peter must have felt, uh, how his heart, how his mind was, how he was convicted, um, everything that kind of went through him. And I, I find myself in this situation a lot that, you know, there are times when I, I have no problem professing my God and standing up for him. And then there are other instances when I, I fail at it. I will just completely, I'll, I'll be just like Peter was here. I say that I'm going to confess you, Lord. I'm going to say, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. And then I can't, I'll be embarrassed about a situation and I won't do it. And I find myself just like Peter. And, you know, I find, I find comfort. I find the struggle though, as well in reading this, that as mankind, we struggle this and, and this is what we have to overcome in this life that we won't deny our God. Uh, we know that there is a, a reading that uh, I think Christ talks about where he says, if we'll deny him here, then he's going to deny us before the father. Mm -hmm. And I, I don't, I don't want to face that. 
I don't want that to um, I, I don't want that to be my fate. And so I uh, I think of these verses often about Peter and and you know we know we know that after this what had happened you know he didn't go home and and cry and say that's it I'm not going to serve the Lord he did he did the opposite of that he went and preached and and taught everywhere after this and and was really convicted then of that and so I think on that often to try and find strength that when I'm struggling and professing my God I think about Peter and I think about what he went through and then he turned it around and and that I need to turn it around too in my life uh, the next one I have is first Corinthians chapter 10 Verse 13 says, there hath no temptation taken you, but such as is common to man. But God is faithful, who will not suffer you to be tempted above that you are able, but will with the temptation also make a way to escape that you may be able to bear it. This verse is um, very comforting for me. I use this verse a lot when uh, um, talking with others, when they're having struggles through temptations and trials in their life and um, this has always been a verse to turn to a, a promise with comfort um, that will not be tempted above that, that we're able and, and, the, and that there's always uh, something that, that happens within that, a way for us to escape it and that we've got to always be looking for it because the Lord's providing that way for us and we've got to be searching to find that when we find ourselves in these situations, uh, especially these situations of temptation. I love Second uh, Nephi, all of chapter 12. I, I, won't, I won't read it, but it's where it talks about a Bible, a Bible. We don't need any more mm -hmm. Bible. And uh, God, you know, he, he's speaking to all the house of Israel here and about that covenant that he had with Abraham, uh, you know, that went down to Isaac and to Jacob and all, the, all of his house. And it talks about other records that would come forth, including the Book of Mormon and then other records to come forth in the future. And I, I love the fact that God, you know, he, he, he went and appeared to peoples and commanded them to write. And I'm so thankful for the Book of Mormon. I'm so thankful for the witness that it is to our Bibles. I'm thankful for those plain and precious things that we have. And I really look forward to the other books that are talked about in this chapter that will come forth in, in God's time. In his time, he'll bring them forward when the timing is right, and they'll come by the power and the conviction of the Holy Spirit. And I look forward to that day, and uh, I, I love this whole chapter. James uh, chapter 1, verse 12. Blessed is the man that endureth temptation, for when he's tried, he shall receive the crown of life, which the Lord God hath promised to them that love him. Um, I love just reading this verse over and over and over. Uh, it's the hope that we have in enduring to the end. And I will just read this over and over because everything we go through in life, the hardships, the trials, the temptations, um, we're all pushing for that crown of life. And, and that is the goal at the end. And it's what the Lord's promised to those that love him. And so I hope to be found one of those loving him and enduring these temptations in life. Uh, third Nephi, uh, chapter five. I'm not going to read these verses here uh, either, but it's um, uh, eight through 30 in chapter five of third Nephi. And I love these verses because this is when Christ appeared 
to those on this land. And this was after all this mighty destruction had happened on this land. And there were these righteous souls that were here that he appeared to. And, and I want to make sure I emphasize that they were righteous souls that he appeared to on this land. And when he appeared to them and, you know, he said, come, put your hand in my side and come up and, and, and feel me and see me. And, and they do all of that. And, and the very first thing that he talks about, if you, if you turn and you read there, you'll see this. The very first thing that he, after he lets them see who he is and, and touch his side and, and touch his hands, and they know that it's Jesus Christ. He then gives them specific instruction and he gives them specific instruction on baptism. And he says, have no more disputations among you. And I have no idea what, what they were disputing about with baptism. Uh, have no idea uh, what it might be. And, and that's not even my point here. My point is that Christ appeared to the righteous uh, men and women that were left from this destruction that took place. And they had disputations among them. Uh, it just happened to be about baptism. And it makes me uh, think about ourselves as human beings in the church, that we have disputations as well. And, um, you know, it's sad in, in one respect that we have disputations. But, uh, you know, it's been a few years now when I read this reading one time that it just convicted my heart that as long as we're men, as long as we're, uh, uh, you know, human beings in Christ, it, it, we're not dwelling with him yet in his, in his presence continually. He, he gives us this freedom of choice. He gives us uh, the ability to take our actions that we take. And we struggle and we fail continually at it. And um, not, not that I, I think it's acceptable, but I finally am able to say, oh, you know, Lord, you're right. You've got to set us straight on this. As mankind, we're going to continue to always struggle and we're going to have disputations and, and we're going to have conflicts about trying to figure things out. And I just find great peace in that. I, I find great peace in knowing that, you know, we're not perfect by any means and we're not going to be perfect until God is there and present and he's able to... Um, uh, be in control. So I just, just wanted to share that. That's one of my favorite verses that I have another one. I got a couple more, if that's okay. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Daniel ether one 36 to 40. And now I proceed with my record for behold, it came to pass. The Lord did bring Jared and his brethren forth, even to the great sea, which divideth the lands. And as they came to the sea, they pitched their tents and they called the name of the place, Moriankamer, and they dwelt in tents and dwelt in tents upon the seashore for the space of four years. And it came to pass at the end of four years, the Lord came again to the brother of Jared and stood in a cloud and talked with him. And for the space of three hours did the Lord talk with the brother of Jared and chastened him because he remembered not to call upon the name of the Lord. And the brother of Jared repented of the evil which he had done and did call upon the name of the Lord for his brethren who were with him. You know, and similar to the other scriptures, because I can find uh, reference here uh, with myself. And, you know, and I think of, of the events that took place with uh, Jared. In fact, we were talking about this in, in, uh, in our class today. We had uh, our Zoom class today when, at the Tower of Babel and the languages were confounded. And, and the brother Jared went and prayed and a, a miraculous thing occurred, occurred and didn't confound 
him and his family's language and gave him direction to go out and then commanded them right to uh, to go and go down to the seashore where they are here and led them there. And then for the space of four years, the brother Jared forgets to call upon the Lord. And this is the same brother Jared that had the faith, had so much faith. Remember, he was able to see the finger of God. And then he told him, go ahead, Lord, I have faith. You know, show me thy whole self. This is that same brother of Jared. And it just, I find comfort in this being, uh, again, a human being, because I continue to falter and I continue to come up short. And, you know, I feel like the brother Jared sometimes, you know, the, the Lord is with me. He's given me everything I need. He's directing me. I mean, it's like everything is because he has just placed, you know, this to be in front of me, no stumbling blocks and everything is going so smooth. And it seems that when they go smooth like that, that I forget to call upon the God that gave me everything I had to get me to where I was. And when I read this, it's just, it just reminds me, it reminds me of our humanness that we have and how we need to repent to that, uh, how the Lord will definitely chasten us. Uh, and I've definitely gone through that as well and continue to be chastened by him and, and that, and to be corrected. And so I, I often look at this scripture and I, I find amazement in it. But I also find where we're able to place ourselves uh, in the shoes of the brother Jared with uh, the things that he went through. Can I, I, I mean, <clears throat> I'm going to interrupt just real quick. I don't want to editorialize too much. Uh, earlier you were cooking, so I didn't want to say anything. So, <laughs> uh, but when I, when I think of the, the crucifixion catastrophe, what I think it says in there is that the more righteous were preserved and, and it would, which your, your point is made and your point fits. Uh, in my mind, though, I, I, I think it refers not that they were righteous, but they were more righteous. And so the more wicked were destroyed. So so not to give them too much credit to say that they were righteous or but I and from my point of view, I think I, I think they were still flawed and they mm -hmm. were just the more righteous that were left behind. And when I think also on the brother of Jared uh, for four years, I've heard this one before and I'm not I'm going to say that. I have a hard time believing he didn't pray for four years. I think it's it implies that it makes it sound that way, but it, maybe he didn't pray for a month. Maybe he didn't pray for maybe he didn't pray yesterday. And so, so this is what I think it gets. I I, I don't want to uh, use this as a platform to argue with you on scriptures, but I think there is a people or or, or a belief that it not isn't necessarily for four years. However, the point you're making fits, no matter what the duration of time was. He was being scolded for not talking, right? So, Yeah, and I don't, you know, I, I would agree with you, actually. I don't think that it's not that he didn't talk to him for four years. I think, I, and I guess the analogy is in my own life, you know, the last four years, I could honestly say that um, I, I didn't forget the Lord. You know, I, I prayed to him, but my heart exactly wasn't where it was the four years prior. And, and I could, I'm being honest and, and vulnerable with you again. Um, and I think that that's what he's referencing here. You know, when I look at the last four years of my life, I would say, big question mark, Brandon. I, I, I don't know where you were, but I know that the four years prior to that, you were a much more spiritual man. I'm so glad. And I think that's how that's being referenced here with the brother Jared. Absolutely. I'm so glad we, I took the time to, and, and to say that, yeah. that is an excellent point. And, yeah. and where are you now? 
And if there comes a point where we've always, we're always having our ups and downs spiritually, it's constantly where it's like you've been saying throughout this, the theme of this podcast is we're human. We make mistakes. Oh. We have our ups and downs. And, and at some point we can say that the brother of Jared was having a down point. Yeah. And God reached I mean, out to him. I mean, God had just led them away. He just provided this miracle, led them away. They were down by the seashore. Everything was safe. They were fine. You know, just like us in our lives, when everything seems to be going fine, uh, mm. unfortunately, it's when we tend to drift. It's when we tend to not call upon our God. It seems like when we are, when we're down, when we're having a trial and a struggle, you know, then, then I got to turn to you, God, and I really need your help. And I find myself in that situation a lot. So again, a lot of the, the scriptures that I shared with you happen to, you know, they all kind of intertwine. Um, they all kind of intertwine in that. So I've, I've just got a couple more I could share with you that yes, I have. Yes, yes, yes. Keep cooking. Um, Mosiah, uh, the second chapter, verse 36 says, And now if God who has created you on whom you're dependent for your lives and for all that you have and are, doth grant unto you whatsoever you ask that is right in faith, Believing that ye shall receive, oh, then how had ye ought to impart of the substance that you have to one another. Um, the context of this verse makes it abundantly clear to me that we are, we are no better than, anywhere, than anyone else and that our duty is to help one another no matter what. And I love this verse. I know we have many verses. There's many verses that are intertwined here, even within this reading. But just pulling out this one verse, you know, commanding us to help others. Um, I, I, I just, um, I, I love those verses that talk about that. They're so clear and so straightforward in the Book of Mormon um, of what our responsibility is that we are to impart of our substance to others uh, that are struggling and don't have it. Uh, Alma 16, I've got two more. Uh, Alma 16, 139 to 143. Yea. There are many who shall who do say, if thou will show us a sign from heaven, then we'll know of a surety. Then we shall believe. Now I ask, is this faith? Behold, I say unto you, nay, for if a man knoweth a thing, he hath no cause to believe, for he knoweth it. And now how much more cursed is he that knoweth the will of God and doeth it not, than he that only believeth or hath cause to believe and falleth into transgression. Now this thing you must judge. Behold, I say unto you that it is on the one hand, even as it is on the other. And it shall be unto every man according to his work. And now, as I said concerning faith, faith is not to have a perfect knowledge of things. Therefore, if you have faith, you hope for things which are not seen, which are true. You know, I, I, I love these verses. Again, the definition of, of faith, um, the struggle, you know, the world has with God's plan uh, is faith. You know, this is the struggle that they have with God's plan, believing in uh, what we cannot see. And um, I know I, I struggle with it as well. I struggle in, in uh, believing what I can't see, but, you know, I also rejoice in it because this is his plan. And, and his plan is that we would walk by faith. So I love these verses that talk about faith and, and uh, they bring me much comfort. Uh, the last one, and, and this is a, a favorite scripture of mine, uh, Alma 538. I'm going to read 38 to 42. It's really verse 38 that I read a lot and is one of my favorites. It says, and now my beloved brother, and I've said these things unto you that I might awaken you to a sense of your duty to God. 
that you may walk blameless before him, that you may walk after the holy order of God, after which ye have been received. And now I would that you should be humble, submissive and gentle, easy to be entreated, full of patience and long suffering, being temperate in all things, being diligent in keeping the commandments of God at all times, asking for whatsoever things you stand in need, both spiritual and temporal, always returning thanks unto God for whatsoever things you do receive and see that you have faith, hope, and charity. And then will ye always abound in good works. And may the Lord bless you and keep your garments spotless, that you may at last be brought to sit down with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the holy prophets who have been ever since the world began, having your garments spotless, even as their garments are spotless in the kingdom of heaven, to go no more out. So I love these verses here in Alma, you know, the sense of duty that we have. Uh, and I'm reminded of that continually. You know, I'm so consumed by my worldly responsibilities and work and all the other things, uh, responsibilities we have in life. But, but the most important thing, our spiritual side is our duty to our God and be awakened to that. This is my, my prayer continually that God would awaken me to that sense of duty. So this, these are my, uh, these are a bunch of my favorite scriptures that I shared with you tonight. Excellent. Thank you so much. Thank you for taking time to, uh, thank you for taking the call. And I just, uh, this is, this has been great. I'm really glad that, uh, you took this time to, to visit with us, Brandon. Um, thank you, brother Daniel. I'm uh, really glad you're doing this. I, I love, uh, that, you know, this is going on. So many other virtual things are going on. We're finding new ways to connect with with the trial that we're all going through. And I think it's just awesome and amazing. And want to thank you and others uh, that are taking the time to put it together for for all of us. And and just really want to thank you for that. My pleasure. All right. That was Brandon Tarbell. What do you know? Thanks for being with us. Thank you, Daniel. Have a good night. Good night. For my yoke is easy. Burden is light, for my yoke is easy.